Episode 59 of the Yoki Show Show. I'm recording this intro from the bottom of a well. But it's, it's quite wet and damp and cold. But somehow the recording equipment is still working perfectly fine. Anywho, this episode of the Yoki Show Show is brought to you by the Film Producers Conference at Moore Norman Technology Center, which is meant for people in or interested in all and any aspects of the film industry in Oklahoma. Yes! <laughs> this two-day conference will focus on the film industry as a business and feature hands-on learning with some of Oklahoma's biggest names and top talent working in the industry. Whether you are someone wanting to invest in a film and or executive produce, or you're an entrepreneur ready to learn, wanting to invest in film. I read that wrong. Or you're an entrepreneur ready to learn the nuts and the bolts of creating a company for your film career. This conference proved extremely valuable to you and your crew. Anywho, it's a two-day conference. You should check it out if you want to get involved in the local film industry and so on and whatnot. It's going to be lots of hands-on workshops and about creating business and legal contracts needed, becoming an investor, gathering investors. Basically, if you want to learn how to make a movie, you go to this thing, it's gonna teach you everything you need to know. It's gonna be Friday, October 19th, which will be held at the South Penn campus of Moore Norman Technology Center, and Saturday, October 20th, which will be held at the Franklin Road Campus IT building. Yes. If you would like to be a part of this wonderful conference where you learn about making movies from the ground up, I'll tell you where you can go to check it out. Call the number 405-801-5000. That's 405-801-5000. Or you can go to www.mntc.edu slash short dash term dash classes slash films dash producers dash conference. Good Lord, Johnson, could you have found me something more worthy to read for the love of God? So anywho, on this fine episode of the Oki Show Show, it's our Halloween special, which is why we have this, you know, ambient music happening in the background. Terrifying. You're not terrified. There's something wrong with you, you sociopath. <clears throat> so today, the lovely hosts of our show team up with two lovely hosts from another show to combine shows. It's showception of podcasting, which happens at the haunted Stone Lion Inn. If you're interested in this terrifying bed and breakfast that will scare the pants right off of you, straight before you make a sweet love to your companion. Listen to this lovely show. Well, it's, it's awful wet and damp down here, and I suppose I should try to figure out how to get out before, you know, before I, something pops up out of this water, swims right up my butthole. 
This entire thing was a very poor idea. Johnson! Johnson, come and help me, please! Why did we decide to record the intro of a podcast at the bottom of a well? Idiot! Hello and welcome to the podcast that explores the Heartland's entertainment industry and welcome to the Halloween special. We're here at the Stone Lion Inn, which is freaking awesome. And we actually have some special guests. We're doing a little bit of a crossover action happening today. So welcome to the show, uh, Professor Joff Derout. How's it, Joff Derout? And famous reporter Sam Saxton. Hello. Thank you for having us. And tell us a little bit about your podcast before we go farther. Tales Unveiled is a docudrama that explores urban legends and ghost stories throughout Oklahoma with the professor and I. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Fantastic. So if you guys want to hear some really fun ghost stories and, and just cool history about Oklahoma, go over to Tales Unveiled and listen to some of the great stuff that they've got going on. But they have joined us here at the Stone Line Inn because we're here with Rebecca Luker. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about the history of the building, some of the really interesting ghost stories that have happened here, because this place, I, I think it's safe to say it's haunted as crap. Is that what is that what the professionals would say? I would say it has issues. Okay. <laughs> it has issues. It has issues. Oh, and I didn't even think That's to introduce... That's a rather polite way to say yeah. things. <laughs> I have to remember that. I forgot to introduce uh, the guest co-host for today, because Kelly is still kind of... She's working her way back. But in the meantime, we got guest co-host... Nicholas Zabo, welcome back to the show. Or is it? Is it a ghost? Is it a ghost, Zabo? It's a ghost, Zabo. Hi, everybody. How you doing? <laughs> I'm glad to have uh, the reporter and uh, Dr. Joff. Jeff. Joff. Jeff. Jeffy Joff. That's Joff DeRoot. Jeff, that's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Rebecca Luker, you're the owner of the house. Yes. Can you give us the, kind of the, the rundown on the building, the history, and, and some of the fun stuff that's been happening here? Well, the Stone Lion Inn was created in 1986 when I moved over here from Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I bought what was known as the Houghton House. The original owners, uh, F.E. Houghton, um, had a mercantile store here in Guthrie and several grocery stores and a few mercantile stores around the state, and he came with Landrush of 1889. And he and his first wife settled into a little shotgun house that used to be on the east side of this house, the Stone Line Inn. And they lived there for a few years and had four children, and his wife died. He remarried, and his second wife had two more children while they were living next door. And by that time, he had amassed a huge fortune in the Oklahoma Territory. He had the very first cotton gin. He was a founder of Cotton Oil Company. He had three mercantile stores, eight grocery stores, and the first car dealership. Wow, quite so impressive. He, yes, he was vastly wealthy. So in 1906, they ran out of room with those six children next door, and he commissioned this house to be built. And it was built by the same gentleman who was here building the Carnegie Library. Wow. So it was a well-engineered house, and uh, they, it was completed in 1907. They moved in and had six more children. It's quite a lot of children, I'd say. Can you remember how many? Test time. Fourteen. <laughs> <14? laughs> how many rooms are in this house? Twelve. Yeah. <laughs> all of them. All of the children. He had all of the children. <laughs> well, um, all of those children survived childhood, except for one. 
There was a little girl who was born at the turn of the century, in the year 1900, in the house next door. So when they moved here in 1907, she was seven years old, and she contracted whooping cough. And what is believed to have happened is that the maid over-medicated her and she died. At the turn of the century, they were using opium and codeine and cough syrups. Mm. And it was just, you know, all drugs were over-the-counter. The druggist yeah. would just mix up a batch of Better something. times, back when America yes. was great. And <laughs> so... Um, Apparently, as the cough gets worse in the late afternoon and early evening, many caregivers would just administer more and more cough syrup, and wow. children died. Of course, they also died from whooping cough, but this child was accidentally overdosed. And supposedly, she haunts the Stone Lion Inn. Her story has been written up in countless number of magazines and newspaper articles. I checked on Amazon the other night, and there are 23 books on the market with stories of the Stone Lion Inn and these stories. That's quite an impressive number there. Oh, and listen to these titles, too. I mean, you're going to want to buy every one of them. Can you list some of those off, please? Yes. Ghosts of the Southwest, Ghosts of the Plains, Ghosts of the Mid-Plains, and Ghosts of the Lower Plains, Ghosts of Route 66, Ghosts of I-40, Ghosts of I-35. are we getting? <laughs> yeah, this is a pattern. A Quite a bit. crossroads. This is the great. Well, that's the great thing about being in Oklahoma. We get a crossroads of everything. But um, I can always tell when somebody has copied somebody or plagiarized somebody else's story, because they will call her Augusta. And when mm. we first found out about our little ghost, we thought her name. We were told her name was Augusta. What but, is her name then? Well. When ghost hunters were here from the Sci-Fi Channel, they found out her name was Irene, and they oh, have wow. oh they have unlimited amount of records and uh, you know so did they they, ha- they belong out- to every genealogy everything yeah. you can do. So whenever they fa- like was that through um, oh, what's the technical term? It's not EMP. What am I thinking of? The internet. The, was that through an internet search? Yes, that was a yes. Perhaps an EVP, <laughs> and the ghost Googled them back. <laughs> EVP, that's what EVP. it is. Yes. No, I don't. Voicemail. I think it was really high tech. You can just dig into. I census think they belong to everything yeah. on the internet. That would really be the most frustrating thing for me as a ghost. Like I'm, I'm here, but you're just calling me by the wrong name. It's yeah. just like, come on, I'm writing it out for you everywhere I can. Uh, and probably I kind of felt bad about it. Right, right. Like it would be one thing if it's it was like not. you called her Augusta and her name was August, but it's, yeah, she's like she's no. up there like it's not even close, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the worst part is is that apparently Augusta lived to about to be about eighty. Three years old. Oh wow! Wow. And so that's that the was... opposite of a young little girl. Mm-hmm. Yes, it wow. is. Did it you is. did you say that she lived in the house next door? Yeah, that was what. Remember, I told you that in nineteen uh, in eighteen eighty nine they moved here with a land rush and they built a house next door. Mm-hmm. You know, one of those shotgun houses. Oh, okay. And uh, she was born in that house, but she then when they 
built this house, she was seven years old. Okay, I was gonna and, say like that's yeah. that's like jumping over to the next house to go be in that house. Like I, that, that's a move I would do too. Just like oh, that house looks nicer. Um, but wait, I want to go haunt that one. Is ca- the case of the haunted house is greener on the other side. <laughs> well, it, in this case, it was. Yeah. <laughs> it really was. I saw that little house when I first moved here before they tore it down, and mm-hmm. it was pretty sad. Yeah. So I think I she, don't want to haunt this house. That yeah. one. It's like a very elaborate, like haunt, like a ghostly hermit crab. (laughs) Just like trying to find a home. (laughs) But wait, it gets creepier. Okay. Okay. Well, in the 20s, the bow weevil struck and cotton went under. They had not developed a weevil resistant strain of cotton. And DDT had not been invented yet. And so people in the cotton market failed. And that this whole fortune was tied into cotton. And so for a time, they were really leaking money. And they decided that they were going to move to Enid, where they had a mercantile store and uh, gold. I mean, gold oil had been discovered. Same thing. <laughs> liquid gold. <laughs> liquid gold had been discovered outside of Enid. So they moved to Enid. But they didn't want to sell this house. So they leased it to Smith's Funeral Home, and this became a mortuary. The Smith family lived upstairs, and the embalming was done back in the kitchen, where I tried to feed you some food. (laughs) (laughs) But of course you refused. Oh, man. How long was it a mortuary? About eight to ten years. What was it after that? In the 20s. Well, the Houghtons moved back. And took back the house sometime in the early 30s. They took the house back. And um, Mr. Houghton died here in the house. And then for a time, um, Mrs. Houghton lived in the house alone and or pretty much with her older daughters. And at that time, she needed money. And so she turned the house into kind of a rooming boarding house. And um, it was that up until like around the 50s. And then she died Oh, sometime, I think, around 1956. So there have been a number of deaths in the house. Wow. And And not to mention the fact there have been a number of, you know, Bodies. bodies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, like, a lot, of, a lot of people dying and a lot of bodies. So just, yeah. lot of, all the stages of death have passed through this house. <laughs> yeah. So this has been the location for several different film shoots, um, some of which I've actually been on, which is, the, that was kind of my introduction to the stone line was whenever we were shooting a movie that we're going to talk about in just a second. But... It's been a shooting location for years and years and years. What are some of the other places that have, or some of the other things that have shot here? Well, more recently, we did Gosnell. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that was really creepy. Yes. And we did Footprints. Hmm. And, oh, I can't remember all of them. My, my heroes have always been cowboys. Mm-hmm. There's another, mostly hacker slasher. You know, I always get those. That's <laughs> when, I, when I look at weird. you, I think hacker slasher. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's really nice to hear. Yeah. Yes. And you said that there were some scenes from Twister that were shot here? Oh, yeah. There were, um, I can't remember, mostly outside. I think they didn't okay. shoot anything inside. Oh, okay. And I'm going to have to go back and watch that so I can just like yeah, point out. Their special effects there. guy did stay with us at the White Peacock. 
Oh, so interesting. It was really, really nice person. Do you have any interesting stories from that shoot at all? Um, he and his uh, girlfriend, she was an airline uh, attendant, and they wanted to play house one weekend, and so we let them run the bed and breakfast for a weekend. And oh, they, cool. They had a great time. They really, they were perfect hosts. Oh, really On the drive good. up here, the professor was telling me a story about the Twister crew, about how they were renting one of the uh, what, what warehouses you said? Yes, yeah, the 501 building over by the train depot. Uh, since it's a warehouse, they rented it for storage. And strange things started happening. Equipment wasn't where it was supposed to be. People started feeling other people reach out to them when they were alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, a person was reportedly scratched. And it got to the point where they broke the lease early. They just went ahead and paid uh, to get out. And they didn't come pick up their things. They had to send out a... a moving crew to gather all the things for him because they would not set foot back in it. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's crazy, Dr. Jeff. Cool. <laughs> that was, it was a great movie and uh, amazing. They built a set down there mm-hmm. around that uh, warehouse. Yeah. They bought, they made like a Dairy Queen or something. I was, think I remember that, that scene. It's been a while since I like watched a, it. It's yeah. been a while since I've seen it as well. Yeah. It was, it was really fun. Yeah. That was fun. Everybody's got to finish this podcast and immediately go to watch Twister. We're just, <laughs> right. we're just subliminally, not very subliminally, yeah. putting yeah, it into your let's, yeah. let's talk about Gosnell. Yes. You were on the set of Gosnell. I was on the set of Gosnell. What and was so, Go- Gosnell? I'm a little uh, lost here for a moment. Can you explain so, that? Do you want, uh, Rebecca, do you want to give a lowdown on who exactly was Kermit Gosnell? Kermit Gosnell was a uh, OBGYN practicing in Baltimore, or was it? I'm not sure. Philly. I, I think, think it was, was Baltimore, right? Let's see if I can bring it up a little bit. And he was performing late-term abortions, really late-term, really like illegal. super late-term. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he inadvertently or otherwise uh, killed a lot of children and, and mothers died. And they're not even sure how many died that way but he has been uh he was arrested i think about 2011 and he's in prison as of 2013 is that right i I believe so i believe so Mm -hmm. and on top of that he and his wife were hoarders oh gross hoarders and they used the stone lion inn as the gosnell's house so they went out to garage sales for several weeks before the filming and gathered all this stuff and put it all through the hallways and up the stairs and into the master bedroom. This place reeked. It was yeah. horrible. It was It was really, I came over here the first day I came over and they were putting all the stuff out and I was just about frantic <laughs> what have you done <laughs> oh my god my house my house well i have to say and it looks like they cleaned up rather nicely they did an amazing job this is i mean they had stuff piled to the ceiling out here in the hallway and uh, it's getting like close to friday and i have a whole group coming in to do a murder mystery I'm getting panicky and telling them, I need to probably call these people and cancel. Is that right? And they said, no, no, no. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. Now it's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday. Mm -hmm. Guests are arriving at 5 o'clock, and I'm thinking, this is not going to happen. And they said, no, 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 it will. And suddenly they had a crew arrive from Edmond, 
with HEPA vacuum cleaners <laughs> and all this help. And they pulled up this gigantic dumpster out back um, that they got at, at Laidlaw, one of yeah. the dumpster places. And they just started taking it out the back door and people were sifting through it to take souvenirs. <laughs> and they had disgusting all of this stuff. disgusting stuff. They were taking souvenirs and they Jeez. had house plants that looked like they were going to eat something. Yeah. And they took it all out there and people were shifting through it and all that. By 4.30, this house was spotless. Wow, it that's was, quite impressive. It was very impressive. I'll really tell you what, impressive. man. I, I see. I have a theory that if there is, if there's ever a natural disaster, call Hollywood like truckers and locations managers and everything, and like the place would be cleaned up like that. Like mm-hmm. those guys know how to do that stuff, and then they'll and get, do it smooth. They'll get the nice smell of like chain smoking cigarettes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yes. So I looked up on Wikipedia. Like this is the actual story behind Kermit Gosnell. Um. So it was in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania that this happened. So this movie is... Was it West Philadelphia? Born and raised. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so Kermit Gosnell owned and operated the Women's Medical Society Clinic in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and he was was a prolific prescriber of Oxycontin. Why was that funny? I don't know. That's, I don't know. Just like the word prolific is should be used for, I don't know. I, that's just Well, it certainly shouldn't be used for somebody not, giving out drugs. It should, not, right? used, it should not be no. like, I am such yeah. a good giver out of drugs. Yeah. Yes. I'm prolific. That's like a crazy person saying it with way too big a smile. He was a prolific prescriber of Oxycontin. <laughs> like, and then he murdered baby. Like just the, just the thought of like one of his clients being like, oh, dude, that dude was prolific with Oxycontin. <laughs> so, I'm so dark. More <laughs> I'm thinking more of the police report. Yeah, right. Yes. And he was a prolific yes. purveyor of... Very true. Yeah. Man. So in 2011, Gosnell and various co-defendant employees were charged with eight counts of murder, 24 felony counts of performing illegal abortions beyond the state of Pennsylvania's 24-week time limit. So past the 24 weeks, they were, they were doing these. And these mm-hmm. were also like partial birth abortions and stuff. Oh, yeah. 227 misdemeanor counts of violating the 24-hour informed consent law. The murder charge is related to an adult patient, uh, I'm not going to say her name, who died following an abortion procedure and seven newborns said to have been killed by having their spinal cords severed with scissors after being born alive during attempted abortions. This shit gets dark. It mm-hmm. is really dark. And the, so it the was. movie's based on this case, which mm-hmm. is a real case. Yeah. Dean Cain played in this. Yeah. He plays the, the super sweet detective dude. The best police dude. person. He is really yeah. a nice guy. Mm-hmm. That's right. You were He's a PA terrific. on this, Nick, weren't you? Yeah. yeah. I, I actually, uh, this is the first time I've been here where it's clean. <laughs> I, I did not. <laughs> the same here. Whenever oh, I first walked in, you. I didn't recognize thank it. Thank you a lot. Yeah. <laughs> no. uh, the only you time know, we I are did, a bed and breakfast. I didn't get to see the awesome people come in and clean the place yeah. i just saw it as it was i walked in as it yeah. was and i saw it as it was and i was just kind of like okay yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I knew it was decoration though yeah decoration. right uh, you know i'm trying to keep my business going here the place yeah. is beautiful it's, it is lovely and you can get some change in one it of the is a lovely place i have to say that yeah oh, thank you thank you it has I been seconded that. And uh, I had to squeeze that out of you guys. <laughs> so we shot Gosnell here for I think a week, I think we were here for about a week, right? Oh yeah, maybe yes. it was less than that because oh, I know no. we. Oh no, it was all of that. Yeah, because we were outside in the front yard, it we were out in the backyard, on, yeah, we were in the basement on upstairs. Like Sunday evening. I yeah, guess, when you came in and you were done at Friday afternoon. 
I actually have like okay. my grandfather has two framed pictures of me uh, with Dean Kane taken right outside this window. Actually, oh, nice! Right yeah, how yeah. neat! Yeah, That's it's awesome. Great. Yeah. I got a picture of him too. Got a picture with him. The he, thing, was so great. he was such a nice. He guy. was yeah, super but down you know, to earth. All the movie people who have ever done anything here, I've loved yeah. all of them. Mm-hmm. They have been you know, so sweet. That's the kind of funny thing that I've come to realize. Like we have this image in our minds of these celebrities that are just kind of. Mm-hmm. And I've found that the ones that... Especially were, more so as of late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and i found that, like, and correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, with your experiences, but it seems like the ones that last the longest are actually super nice and super down to earth. Yeah. That or they're crazy talented, and then they can be buttholes. There's, there's a level that once you get to with that crazy talent that it just becomes like, oh, you get to be weird. Yeah. And then you get to be rude. And then yeah. you get to be whatever. And the, what the frustrating part is when someone comes in and they think they've reached that level. And they haven't. And they have not. Yeah. And, you're just, and you're just kind of like, look, Superman can make those demands. <laughs> yeah. You, you cannot. cannot. <laughs> they were very nice. Oh, yeah, I've lovely. never had a bad experience with any of the movie people yeah. who have come here. Oh, yeah, I got to They're slap, all nice. Got to slap Dean Cain's That's butt. That's good to hear. Two. Keep a yep. positive yep. image in the film community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, they certainly have it for me. I want to talk a little bit about this like for any filmmaker out there that's looking for a like a cool creepy location how what's the process of shooting here thank you for that thank you so much well. you know i was the one who after about the fourth hacker slasher movie yeah. we did begged ty dickerson to find me a yeah. romantic ca- comedy oh yeah and if someone I said, is trying but this to, is such yeah. a lovely place and why don't you find me a romantic comedy and something that would have good vibes and stuff then i'd not creeped out and he looked at the house and he said not here <laughs> <laughs> really? That was sad. I feel like this could definitely be like a, um, like a Pride sad, and Prejudice like, yeah, kind of. Yeah, like an, yeah. Eight, like an 1800s, like, you know, like like you get some of those fainting couches and a woman like fanning herself <laughs> somewhere, or a man, or a man fanning yeah. himself on the couch. Yeah. And it'd be perfect so for that. How would, how would somebody go about, you know, booking this place as a shooting location? Usually we get a call from somebody like Ty, and they want to take a look at the property for a set and um, we come and spend an hour with them or whatever they need. I give Ty the keys to the house and he brings them through. And if they're gonna make a deal, they draw up a contract. Um, Oklahoma movie film Oh, the film and music yeah. office, yeah. <clears throat> we're, uh, we're on file there. We've got all okay. the house and pictures of it and everything there. Uh, lots of great property on that the site. That They are very helpful, and they're also great for filmmakers uh, who are starting out because they offer some credits and things yeah. that they can use. And they know us. Um, any of the set people, they would know who we, you know, how to get a hold of a house like this. And yeah. And it's, it's a very casual process. We, you know, they just drop some papers and bring them over, and you look them over and sign them. Yeah. And um, some, you know, in the early days, I didn't get paid, and uh, that was fine because we, didn't, you know, nobody knew what they were doing when we first started out. Sure, you know, right. Working with them, and they always film at a time when we're not busy, mm-hmm. and that's been they've always been helpful. But if they're going to be prolonged and stay a long time and have to do cleanup work and stuff like that, there is some charges to it. Sure. Yeah. So what are some things, just speaking from the perspective of the location owner, because we've we've talked to we've actually talked to Ty and SP about location managing and how important it is to leave the place 
cleaner than how you found it and yeah. that kind of thing. But I kind of want to get your perspective as the location owner. What mm. are some things, uh, what are some no-nos for filmmakers that want to use a location like this? Well, you want to make it clear whether they're going to be moving furniture around and if they're going to put it back because this is some of this is really old and mm -hmm. it's really heavy. And like the embalming table out in the hallway, that can't be moved. So you have to make it clear what you will allow to have moved and won't be moved. Mm -hmm. And um, they're usually so kind about everything. They're, they come in and they assure you that it will be taken care of, and it has been. I've never yeah. really had a problem ever. And But you just want to have some things just buttoned down, the mm -hmm. things that are important to you. Um, like that table, because it would be hard to replace yeah. that. Mm -hmm. And I have a square grand piano in the other room, and mm -hmm. they were careful with that. If they're going to move things around, that's the biggest problem. It's yeah. like being in your friend's house, or just just a different house. Just treat it with respect. Yeah, and they do. I will say, like, there's it's something not, about. I've never had a problem with any yeah. of them. Mm -hmm. There's something about when you walk into a house like this, and we and it was the same way with the Overholster Mansion. That as an onlooker. It, the location itself almost commands a reverence to it. Respect, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Which is, I, I, I'm so fascinated with old buildings like this that have so much rich history and everything because, like, I don't, for me anyway, like, I just kind of want to, mm -hmm. like, you know, it, like, it, it commands respect. Yeah. Quick story, I don't know if I told you on this, but I <clears throat> did location managing for the overholster. And uh, <laughs> at one point, I was not in the house, and uh, my assistant said, like, hey, you should come upstairs. And I went upstairs, and he's like, don't be mad. I'm like, no promises. And one of the camera people had knocked over one of our stands and punctured a picture, a painting, oh. that was on the wall. Yeah. And it was just kind of one of those where it was like, oh, oh dear. this isn't a scratch on the floor. This is a... <clears throat> and so it was a very tense 30 minutes. And then, yeah. the, and then the owner was like, oh, we got that garage sale. Oh. So funny thing about the story that you just told, Neil Newby was on our uh, yeah. episode that we were talking about Murphy's Law. And yeah. he, he tells his end of that story. Oh, that's a little hilarious. more detail. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. it was Neil. If you want to get the rest of that story, go over to the, to the Murphy's Law episode uh, from last season. Oh, my gosh. So, at, at the Stone Line Inn, you have a couple really fun things that, beyond shooting films and stuff here, I want to talk a little bit about the bed and breakfast. You do a bed and breakfast here. We do. So, when is that available, and how does someone um, They just get need into to that? call the Stone Line Inn bed and breakfast. We also have a great website, stonelionin.com, and Facebook, Stone Line Inn bed and breakfast. And we have a photograph of... Uh, been 10,000, I have over 10,000 pictures on this website. It's called stonelineinphotoalbum.com. We take pictures every weekend of all of our guests and they're, how they dress up for the murder mysteries. That's so cool. That sounds you know, like a fun evening. It yeah. is fun. You know, when I first started, um, this was the first bed and breakfast in Oklahoma. Oh, and wow. it was not a success. Um, people would arrive on my doorstep and they didn't know what a bed and breakfast was. There were bed and breakfasts in Kansas, Arkansas, all around there were bed and breakfasts, but there were none in Oklahoma. Mm. And so people would arrive on my doorstep and they'd say, well, this is a house. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say, where's the breakfast? Yes. <laughs> and I would say, yes, you're spending the night in somebody's lovely old home. Won't you yeah. come in? That sounds really and, interesting because Oak Guthrie is kind of considered what the bed and breakfast capital of Oklahoma. Yes. And I started that too. <laughs> <laughs> I started the bed and breakfast association. Wow. That is and, fantastic. But it was the first bed and breakfast. Oh, well, listen, before that, 
this used to be the state capital, and mm-hmm. one thing you that not the building I, itself, but Guthrie. No, right. Guthrie. <laughs> Guthrie used to be the state capital, yeah. and I used to teach history and English. And one of the things you know, you have to kind of be salacious sometimes and throw in a little sex with teenagers. So I, <laughs> yeah. I would ask this question: What do ha- towns have in common that have um, a state capital, a large, you know, large government presence? or a military base? What's the common denominator? Can you tell me? Hmm. House of prostitution? No, that's the result. (laughs) (laughs) Horny men? I I revoke my question. Okay. (laughs) Large numbers of men away from home for long periods of time. (laughs) And you're actually right. Mm -hmm. The, The result is prostitution. Right. And usually, if it's like a base, Mm -hmm. the road going into the base has uh, something like liquor store, uh, pawn shop, massage parlor. The big three. You know, liquor store, (laughs) pawn shop, all the way in and all the way back out. Well, Guthrie was the state capital. Mm -hmm. And so they have a rich history of having... um, Bordellos here. There was Livesey's Bordello. It's, mm-hmm. it's a beautiful property in down. It's got a restaurant in it. The bar does the Bluebell Bar, and above that was an old whorehouse. And um, so when I first came to town, and this was 1986, and as I told you, it was pretty rough as far as like everybody was looking for money. I mean, mm-hmm. it, was, they, it was it was hard times in mm-hmm. Oklahoma, and. So the, uh, the first thing is I would go do, I was doing a little shopping and I'd already seen this house and I was pretty sure I was going to make an offer on it. And I go into a store and they say, I don't recognize you. Are you a tourist? And I'd say, yes, I am. Oh my gosh, we've got one. A tourist, a real tourist. This is so exciting. Right there, right there. Oh, yeah. and, the walls would turn and, around. And yeah, and wow, what are you doing here? You know? And I said, I'm being a tourist. And Yeah, but I mean, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I'm actually thinking about buying a house. And they would go, in Guthrie? Are you kidding? Really? You're going to buy a house here? Which which one? And I would tell them. And they would go, really? (laughs) Well, it was so big. And it was just me and these two little kids. And they'd say, well, it's kind of big, isn't it? And I would say, yes, it is. I'm going to turn it into a bed and breakfast. They didn't know what that was. They thought it was a brothel. Right. They thought just, I was when going they heard to, bed and oh, breakfast. They thought you were they talking about just coming in with my kids, right. starting yeah. a brothel. Just bed and breakfast. Bre- yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So I go ah. back. To, I get a contract on this house, and I go back to Santa Fe, and I had a construction crew, and I told them that I was going to move to Guthrie, Oklahoma. I was divorced, and I was going to have to do this, and I really needed their help because there were only two bathrooms in this house, and I needed eight bathrooms. So I talked them into coming out with me, and they did. And I had known these guys since junior high school, most mm-hmm. of them. You know, New Mexico has got a small population. Right. So they came out with me. I came out here with these six carpenters, an engineer, and my, and my mom. I told you what my mom said. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we moved into the house. Well, it wasn't helpful that late at night the guys would go out on the front porch and have cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they would not have a lot of clothing on. Mm-hmm. And people had already gotten the rumor was around town that I was opening up this 
House of oh, Ill Repute. No. Yes. And these people are driving by to see if we're open yet. And there's guys out on my front porch smoking cigarettes. Oh, well, you can imagine what that looked like. So man, the, the grand opening's going to be a doozy. <laughs> so, and they, the guys went down to Ace Hardware because we needed a lot of supplies. And mm-hmm. the manager comes out and says, it looks like you guys are buying a lot of stuff. Do you want to run a tab? And my foreman said, yeah, we probably should. And he said, well, what's the name of this place? Where, where, what are you doing? And he said, well, we're doing that bed and breakfast over on Warner Street. Oh. <laughs> You boys are from the bed and breakfast. (laughs) And every time they would go in there, the the guys would kind of wink and say, oh, there's those guys from the bed and breakfast, you know. And they would wink at them. They came back and they said, every time we go into Ace Hardware, those guys wink at us and giggle. Do you think they're all gay? (laughs) And I said, statistically, I find it hard to believe. (laughs) Why don't you ask them? And they did. And they told them what they thought we were doing here. And they came back and told my mother. You know, oh, the woman wow. who's here to save my right. reputation? They right, thought yeah. she was the madam. Oh, no. <laughs> Jeez. So, so do y'all have, like, a catalog? Or, uh, <laughs> or is it just the guys on the porch? <laughs> I, keep, I keep winking at them, but it don't work. <laughs> How long did it take you before that rumor was destroyed? <laughs> well, it was a while. It was a while. Even the mayor of Guthrie comes to visit me. His name was Speedy Weems. Yeah. And he was and, like, so y'all have a catalog? Yeah. Or- <laughs> He comes and he's and he's kind of uh, he was really cute and, I, and you guys better you know step up your game because let me tell you what he brought me. Ah. He brought me a sack of flour and a box of chocolates. Ah. And he said, my mother always said, when you go calling on a lady, take flour and chocolates. That's awesome. Is that awesome? That is awesome. Are you guys that clever? No. Oh, well, you better pick up up your game, boys. And so I said, I've actually heard of that before. (laughs) I said, okay, Mayor, are you really here because you think I'm opening up a brothel? And he starts giggling, and he sits down, and he says, you know, I have coffee and breakfast every morning at Miss Carolyn's restaurant. The boys and I, we, those boys, they've been gossiping too much. They've been talking about you. I'm afraid they have been talking about you. Hmm. And we were hoping. seeing just a bunch of guys out front they're just kind of like oh maybe on the back porch is the ladies well they but they thought those guys were already serviced is what yeah. they thought oh jeez they're like this they're place smoking is bumping the cigarettes, this place know? is bumping <laughs> yeah look there's guys already lined up that's so funny so it, so, took, it took a while for people yeah, to realize sure. but there were people that you know that got around town and mm. that i was opening up a a bed, you know, a brothel, yeah. and um, a BBB bed yeah. brothel breakfast. Yeah, bed brothel <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> Thought of that. That's really good. <laughs> I'm not going to add that to my name. Oh yeah, just under the. So so now it's a it's a pretty well established bed and breakfast at this point, mm-hmm. and not only do you get the bed breakfast breakfast not only do you get the bed and breakfast experience of getting to basically stay the night in a very haunted house. But you also do murder mysteries yes, at night. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. A house with I, issues. Yeah. Yeah. A house with issues. Yeah. A house with issues. Mm-hmm. Well, I had to get something for people to do when they got here. 
so that they would stay because people would arrive on my doorstep and didn't know what this was. You know, they were confused. So I knew that back east people were doing um, murder mysteries at bed and breakfast and playing kind of like a game, like Clue. Mm -hmm. So I have a degree in history and English. I sat down and wrote a murder mystery. And uh, at that time, I only wrote 18 characters. And I advertised, and it just went crazy. The first day that ad came out, and I put an ad in the Gazette, Mm -hmm. and I was booked Mm -hmm. for a couple of weekends in advance. And it was really getting great. Well, then it got to the point where I was being booked about five months in advance. Now, when that happens, you're, you're... advertising dollar is wasted Mm -hmm. you know you need to have more product or something so i started buying up more properties and at one time i owned five large houses i own the what's uh the redstone country and i turned that into a bed and breakfast downtown yeah and i turned the the greer house uh into a bed and breakfast and call it the white peacock Mm -hmm. and i had my sister bought a cottage and i bought a cottage so we had five properties all together. That's a lot of brothels. And it yeah. was a lot of problems. <laughs> you have that many pro- old, old properties, you are spending a lot of time with a plumber. Oh, oh I believe it. I spent so much time with my plumber that when I would call, his wife answered the phone. She was their uh, office person. Mm-hmm. She would just put down, Charles, your girlfriend calls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she needs your help. Yeah. And he knew immediately who that was. That's you know, so hilarious. So that, is, that really is kind of like the introduction into like a porno. Yeah. Like, I'm just here to clean your pipes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's kind of, but it's, it's charming how small towns, um, yeah. you know, you call everybody by their first name, oh, you yeah. know, know everyone. And, and it was sweet that she just took it as, as you know, Charles, your girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a small town sweet. thing, I feel yeah. like. It is. Especially it really Guthrie, is. it's so tight knit yeah. around here. That would here. never happen in Oklahoma City, yeah. I don't think. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for letting us pick your brain. We, we, we're definitely running over, but uh, I would be remiss if we didn't play some kind of a game before we say goodbye. So I, I thought it'd be fun. You know, Rebecca, she's been telling us ghost stories this whole time. So I was thinking it'd be fun if maybe we if we told some ourselves. What do, you, what do y'all think? Are y'all down? Yes. Always. Okay. If you have the time. Um, I don't know how you're doing on time, Professor, but I'm doing okay on time if you are. I don't have to sleep. Perfect. <laughs> we don't sleep on the Yoki Show show, mm-hmm. especially for the Halloween special. We got to get our ghost on. So, okay. Um, so... I didn't prepare one, but I know Lainey over here. Lainey, the wifey poo, has joined us. She's been meandering through the, ho- through the house. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about a, a fun story that you had. Not a fun scory- story. We'll just Not a call fun it, scory. Not a fun scory. We'll call it scary as crap. Mm-hmm. Wait, are, which one? The one of the lady in the bed. Oh, okay. Yeah, get right up in the mic there. So, um, probably about... Six or seven years ago, Brian and I were in a band together. We were in a band. We were in a catalog band, and um, one of our guitar players, we would always practice at his house in Dell City, and we would hang out there all the time. So um, <sighs> I decided to go take a nap in Kyle's bedroom. I guess I shouldn't say names. Can well, you, you didn't edit? say a last name. Uh, yeah. He knows. He knows the story. Yeah. Um, and it was it was a really good nap, so I want to like chalk it up to like I slept really hard and then hallucinated. Grade A hallucination nap. Mm-hmm. But 
I guess I should start by saying I always got super creepy, horrible vibes in this house. So. Well, yeah, because there is a backstory to this. Like, there are some people... It was it was one of those like uh, young adult houses where like his mom was the homeowner, mm-hmm. and you know there were there were kids our age just kind of coming and going all the time. Everybody just hung out at this house, right. mm-hmm. you know. And so like there were a couple times where people had sleep paralysis. Mm-hmm. I had sleep paralysis there. Um, there was one gal that had like a major panic attack out of yeah, nowhere. Yeah, she had to go to the emergency room. And she'd never had panic attacks before or after that. And there's been times like me and you both, whenever we've been in the house alone, and just this yeah. overwhelming sense of like, you need to get out of here. Yeah. Uh, like we were talking so. earlier about how like the difference between a just like a ghost presence and then a demonic presence. This place had this foreboding. Mm-hmm. It had the feeling, like the best description I've ever heard of the feeling that you got was that you were a doll in a dollhouse and somebody was watching you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I wake up from the nap and I notice that like there's nobody in the house and his mom's room was right by his room. So I peeked in there. I'm not sure why, but in his mom's bed, I saw somebody <laughs> and I was like, who, who is that? Because it was like dark gray hair. And I was like, who, I don't understand who, who is that? And they, of course, like their head was like turned away. So I walked into the room and I like, it was examining this person and I like saw the hair and I didn't recognize it. So I was like, okay, that's weird. So I tiptoed out because I didn't want to wake them up. And everybody was having cigarettes outside on his big gazebo as we always did. And I walked out and I said, who, who's in there? (laughs) Who's, who's sleeping in Kyle's bed or in Kyle's mom's bed? And they all said, there's, there's nobody there. There's nobody else in here and like chuckled it off. And I was like, no, yeah. I saw somebody. And I thought that you guys were pranking me. And then you're like, no, there's nobody there. So yeah. I turned like six shades of. Was the person like under the covers like, mm-hmm. sleeping? Their body was under the covers. Their head was on the pillow. And it was, it was like a woman's gray hair. So. That gave me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. So. There was, and there was definitely several occasions where we would be there at night. Like, every once in a while, I would go to this house. And um, also a little backstory is uh, uh, someone had passed away in that house. Um, I didn't know that. Oh. Yeah. In that bed. Oh. Well, his dad had passed away in that house. Okay, yes. So sad, yeah. And, uh. Like, there were several occasions where I would go to this house late at night to drop off equipment and stuff, and you would go in, or, or I would go in, and, like, just immediately, the hairs on the back of my neck would go standing straight up, and I would just get this feeling of, like, someone is in this house, someone is watching me, and so I would instantly start praying in my brain, but then also, like, singing hymns, <laughs> you know, like, uh, victory, slowly backing out of the house just and like your hands up <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I would hold on to a cross and uh, but like the feeling would definitely subside whenever prayer was involved <laughs> but wow. imme- as soon as prayer was not involved it was and that, that might be like some kind of subconscious thing I don't know like there's probably a confirmation bias happening sounds very subconscious brain. to me yeah the, but, the flip side of that might just be to dig into it more and just start singing Thriller just yeah. to see like what happens like <laughs> 
Thank you. A control group. <laughs> Good test. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Nick, what do you got? Uh, actually, my only ghost story is from Gosnell. Uh, we were filming at whatever church we were filming at. Do you remember in OKC? Um, it's where they filmed yeah. the trial. The, the court, court scenes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I don't old, know. old church. Old, I, I, old church. Yeah. And um, I was walking through this big lobby room with a piano in it, and it was dark. And just out of the corner of my eye, one of those corner of the eye things, I saw a uh, well-dressed black man just like in a suit, just kind of standing in the corner. And I, you know, when I looked over there, there was nothing. And it was just one of those, like, it's like 10 at night. It's whatever. I'm tired. And then we were filming in the chapel, which we had turned into a courtroom. And there was this huge, like, pop, like this burst, like that something had broken or whatever. And so we cut and called lunch to go fix it. And there was nothing that was broken or anything. So it was already kind of like weird. And we were talking to the uh, maintenance man who kind of works there. And he was, we were like, yeah, it was weird. We heard this and there's nothing. He's like, oh yeah, there's a, there's a guy who, you know, like kind of comes in here and like, uh, there's a ghost or a presence, this former preacher who like, you know, uh, whistles at women or, or stuff like, like pops or like breaks, but nothing really breaks. And you can see him all the time in the piano room. And I really thought about it, and I was like, "Yeah, the piano room was definitely where I was, and saw nope. saw that guy." And it was, nope. and, and it was just like the fact that it was. I saw it before he said anything. It yeah. was one of those that was just like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, oh, nuts. <laughs> All right, Professor, what do you got? Well, I have something that happened just a few minutes ago here. Mm. So okay. Sam and I, uh, as we were coming in, uh, we closed the door behind us, and. Uh, uh, Rebecca was back in the kitchen, and you are all setting up in here with the cords and so forth. I, I don't care for this, so I was meandering in the front hall and, and saw Lainey coming in behind. Uh, she had her cell phone in her hand and was struggling with the door, so I thought, oh, she must just need somebody to open it. Um, and when I tried to open it, the door was locked. The bolt had been closed. Uh, no one else past us had come through, so someone was being very careful in locking the door. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I wouldn't put it past Lainey to lock herself out, though. It's true. She's kind of tricky like that. She couldn't lock herself out. It's not a self-locking door. You have to turn the deadbolt, or you have to have a key. So if she's going out the door, she has to have a key. You got a key on you? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No. Okay, yeah, never mind, never mind. She does not have a key to the house. (laughs) I'm trying to think if I have anything to, like... You know what? I do. I do have one. I have one. So there was one time that we were shooting. Uh, it was on a it was on a project that was like super low budget. So it was like a skeleton crew, and we were way out in the middle of nowhere, and we were shooting in this this really really old house. Um, I, I think like the director, it, like he was, it was a friend of a friend's of his, and it was just this kind of just old cabin, way out in the middle of nowhere, and we were shooting there for a weekend. And um, there was this door on the on the floor in kind of like the living room that had a lock on it. And uh, I noticed it. I didn't dress it, but I noticed it. And um, pretty soon, like we were shooting some scenes, and pretty soon some some weird stuff started happening, like doors slamming randomly. And um, and then one day <clears throat> I woke up and that door was wide open. <clears throat> and the lock on it was 
it was like completely intact. Like it was like it, the, the lock itself had not moved, but the door was wide open. Mm. And so it was steps into this basement area. But this was not a basement that had come, apparently that was like built into the house. Like it wasn't like stone walls and that kind of thing. It was almost like this kind of ditch area that had been dug underneath the house. Yeah, ditchment. Yeah, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> and so uh, we thought it'd be funny if one of us went down there. And uh, so one of us did, and she like there she went down and her it, it was almost like the classic horror movie thing where her flashlight stopped working right like once she's down there good sign yeah and so there's kind of like this silence and then she just starts screaming and she starts coming out of that hole and then the door just closes right in her face no. yeah and then no thanks. yeah yeah and uh, so now she's locked in. So now she's locked in, and we can't get the door back open. All we can, all we can, we can just hear her screaming down in this hole. Uh-huh. And so we can't, like, it, for almost like five minutes, we could not get this door open. Oh, that's insane. So like, eventually, she kind of stops screaming. And she, it sounds like she's calmed down. Or dead. Or dead. <laughs> <laughs> One of those two. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so finally we got the door. We had to get a freaking crowbar to get this thing to, to open up. And we pulled the door open, and she's standing there. She's just standing there waiting. And then she came flying out of the, out of the hole, just screaming, and then she killed us all. <laughs> That's a great way to put a button on it. <laughs> what a happy, happy ghost yeah. story. True it's story. A, True story. What the viewers don't know is that Brian has been a ghost for the past, you know, 16 odd years. So him and every one of these episodes has been a total haunting. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. I was trying to figure out, like, how can I finish this with the with a good one? So I apologize. And I think that's already a good one. Yeah. And then on top of it, murdering everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Happy ending. We all died. <laughs> In case you were wondering, that was total BS. <laughs> I, all of that? All of it was, yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, okay. I, I, it started going into one, into one direction. I was like, how am I going to end this? I don't I know. Was, what, I was feeling so But you were, you were into it, right? I was so into it. I, yeah. I bought into it. You captiv- I bought you, into it. You captivated it. Really yes. And the, the ending really sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. Really I apologize. I'm not staying at your bed and breakfast whenever yeah. you open one. I have one more story for you. Okay. When I first moved in, or to the Stone Line Inn, I made friends with a lady on Mansard Street right behind me. And her mother was a full-blooded Cherokee woman, and she was half. And she told me that when she was a little girl, she used to play with a little girl over here. Now, understand, the little girl in this house died in 19... Right around 1910, mm-hmm. 1907, somewhere in there. Not Well, yeah, it was 1907. And she was only about... 20, 30 years old when I met her. So it couldn't have been that little girl. But she said when she was a little girl, she would play in this backyard and uh, with this this other little girl that would just come out and just show up and they would play. Mm-hmm. And she went home one day and she told her mother how much she enjoyed playing with the little girl in the old Houghton house, but she never talks to me. She never says a word. And her mother said she's in the spirit world. Jeez. Yeah. 
Oh, man. Like, how do you, as a kid, how do you, I don't know how you rationalize that. Of just yeah. Like, oh, cool. <laughs> okay. Right on. Oh, man. Um, okay, so we, uh, we, we do, I, I, we, we got to say goodbye, and it, it breaks my heart because <clears> I feel like we could go forever. But I would, uh, I think before we go, we did this thing last year, which was, is it possible to turn the lights off? Is that possible? No, I don't believe it sure. is. <laughs> All of them. Would that be okay? Sure. All I can do it. Okay. So we're going to turn the lights there. off. Getting back, Brian. And, okay. <laughs> and Lainey's going to get in the car and drive there. away. Come on, Cody. Mm-hmm. Come with me. All right, let's see if this thing works. Waiting around for absolutely nothing to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just gonna see. Just gonna see. Don't try and talk to something. So I have this. Uh... Oh man. Oh jeez. Okay. So the lights are it off now. It is certainly dark now. And we are. Let's see, I've got this little. For the listeners at home, imagine darkness. <laughs> so we're just gonna see if um anything anything decides to reach out. We'll just see. Are we, are we nominating a spokesperson? Uh, Nick, do you want to? I, Mr. Turn out the lights. I think you should. So, what was the what was the name of the little girl? Irene. It was Irene. Okay. All right. So we're just gonna give some give a little bit of silence here. that you're in the building? She may be petting the dog. In a good spot. Yeah, I'm gonna hope that that's the dog. (laughs) (laughs) That is the dog. Okay. That'd be one heck of a confirmation. (laughs) Uh, Anybody have a question for Irene? Thanks for letting us stay here. Appreciate it. Hey guys, I see something in the upper hallway. Seriously. I don't want to go. <laughs> I'm, I'm already saying it right now. I'm too much of a bus to go look. <laughs> Cowards, I will go look and see that there is absolutely nothing there, as always. Famous last words. Can you, de- can you describe what you're seeing? 
I would say my eyes are pretty well adjusted to the darkness at this point. And I'm really just, I don't know, where were you seeing it? Just straight up where that light's coming from. Mm. That doorway. the person who's like, let's not mess with it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right, let's, we'll turn the lights back on. Okay. <laughs> it's, a great, you. It's, a, it's a great game to play with a bunch of wusses around the table. <laughs> except for, uh, except for uh, Sam. Yeah. Or Braves. Because there is nothing. Oh, man, that's always creepy. Ugh. So, Sam Saxton and Professor uh, Jeff DeRoot. Oh, <sighs> Well, that just happened. <gasps> a laney appeared. Snap, <laughs> snap. So one of the lights just like blew whenever she turned the light on. Oh. That does happen to lights, especially with old electricity. They do not quite like the design of the newer light bulbs. <sighs> Something was upstairs. Some creepy stuff. Okay, so guys, where well, can we... Well, thank you again for having us. <laughs> thank you for coming on the show. Where can we find more about Tales Unveiled? You can find more at, about Tales Unveiled at talesunveiled.com. You can also listen to our podcast on Stitcher, Apple Podcast. We're on Spotify now, Google Play. So we're Podbean. So wherever you like to get your podcasts, I'm sure you can find Tales Unveiled. Fantastic. And Rebecca, again, where can we find more information about the Stone Lion Inn if somebody wants to come and stay at the bed Just and breakfast? Just Google us on the internet, okay. Stone Lion Inn, Guthrie, Oklahoma, or call 405-282-0012. Fantastic. And of course, you can check out the Okie Show Show more at Okie Show Show on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Also, we have all sorts of other episodes. Check out last year's episode uh, at the Overholster Mansion over at iTunes, Stitcher, and all that other mess. The Overholster Mansion was actually our first episode. I know, and that's a good episode too. Okay, and that's uh, that's pretty much it. Nick, you got a uh, where can we find you? Uh, on Okie Show Show. Perfect. <laughs> All right. And that's it. We'll see you guys in the next two weeks. Happy Halloween. Bye. Bye. <laughs>